We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 2nd edition of the Roto-Wear NFL podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. It feels like we breezed through November and we are now somehow almost miraculously into December. Of course, mm-hmm. this is fantasy playoff seasons for the, those of you that are still around listening. I hope we can uh, aid you in your quest for a fantasy championship. I will be honest when I say, of course, listen to Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports, joining alongside Jake Letarski. As always, every Tuesday, you can follow me at Roto Jake. I'll be honest when I say that uh, I felt pretty good. Again, 80 and 76 last week was in uh, was in for potential three playoff spots uh, following week 13. Every one of those teams flopped. Everyone? Every, every one of them flopped completely, utterly, abysmally. And as a result, I think I'm only in four playoffs this year. And I had a first-round matchup uh, in one of them in which I'm already down 80 points. Man. See, I, so I flopped our 16-team league and uh, just a friends and family league that I throw a bunch of darts in because I almost feel guilty winning that. But I'm in the playoffs <laughs> and above the eating line in stake league. And my dynasty league, I just missed the first round by by a couple points. Needed like one more Chris Carson touchdown, and I know I'm getting greedy. But uh, missed the first round by, but still have a dominant team that I'm confident in yeah. winning that league. So Both of the dynasty ones, I'm in a 6-7, and seven, and that was just shy of making the playoffs if they're 
there's a 16 playoff instead of four, it'd be different. The um, oh boy, uh, the NFFC leagues that I was in, I-, I was looking back at the article I had written on my very first NFC Rotoware Championship, in which I think I would have probably been in, in the money or had the chance to get to the playoffs if I had just drafted Lamar Jackson, which was essentially the <laughs> whole venting of the darn article. And in the other three leagues, I was only able to make one playoff. We had a shot, and again, that was one of the teams that completely annihilated itself uh, in the final day of competition. So I'm I'm a little bit sad. I, I'll be yeah. honest when I say this. A little disappointed with how everything turned out. As a Packers fan, though, Monday night's uh, result was definitely... <laughs> Always got to have something to cling on to, it's, right? It's, it was a positive, right? The Seahawks were able to cling on, and I think it's fair to say cling on to a 37-30 victory. Yes, Kirk Cousins fails again on primetime, but quite frankly, I don't feel like it was his fault. And as a, not necessarily Kirk Cousins uh, supporter, but at least somebody that's watched a lot of his games, especially primetime games, I've never really felt that that horrible record that he has. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. like 0-8 or something like that, but it's along those lines. I've never felt like it was always his fault, and this was a prime example of the Vikings, for the most part, just not showing up until what felt like the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit in this one. Part of the reason I didn't get, clinch my first round by, like I mentioned earlier, was that I thought I was going to get clever and start uh, Sam Darnold against the winless Bengals over uh, Kirk Cousins. With the logic being, Kirk Cousins is on the road, doesn't do well in primetime, Seattle defense not great. Kirk Cousins out, ended up outperforming him by seven points, but it, but it was rough. And again, like you said, I don't, I don't think that this was necessarily his fault uh, where Often, all too often, it is. If you're a Vikings fan, uh, you know, kind of got uh, a couple tough breaks in this one and almost let a comeback. We were saying, I was watching this with a with a buddy of mine who's a Vikings fan. You know, we can coexist a little bit, and uh, we, we were saying if Kirk Cousins comes back and wins this game, it's the best game of his life, and uh, because he had a chance. I mean, he he really had a chance in the end. There, uh, they went for it on fourth down, yep. which was the right call towards the end of that game. Uh, j- just simply couldn't connect. So, uh, so that's kind of the storyline of this one. Uh, you know, of course, the Packers pull ahead of the Vikings in, in terms of seeding and in the division. Of course, they still got tough sledding to get a first round buy here. Uh, but on top of that, I, I don't know. In my opinion, the two biggest storylines are what, if any, Delvin Cook injury. And uh, the Chris Carson, Rashad Penny situation here. So uh, uh, which one strikes you as more important from a fantasy relevant? I was just going to talk about all the weird and fluky things that happened in that game. Laquan Mm -hmm. Treble had that 60-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, the blown coverage. That really got them involved. And, of course, uh, it was David Moore who also had a blown coverage on Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And then the, the interception oh, the that got interception. returned for a yeah. touchdown, too. So there's a lot of weird things. To see the score get 67 combined points, there was a lot of factors that they could get involved with that. But you're right. I, I think the biggest takeaway for most people is going to be what happens with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny moving forward. At this point, we've now trended into Los Angeles Chargers territory, Arizona Cardinals territory, where there are two running backs for Seattle that can mm-hmm. be significant fantasy contributors for the rest of the season, Penny and Carson both scored. Parson, or Carson left a little bit of the first quarter for the majority of it. Yeah, it appeared to be an injury, and I thought it looked like it was a concussion too. at first. Yeah, I thought I thought it, I thought he got popped in the head, but uh, they took him in the tent. He came back out and got uh, plus carries. Yeah, yeah, he Over was back to be in the workload. Of course, Rashad yep. Penny was uh, more of the receiving threat, although he was able to also get fifteen plus carries mm-hmm. combined for over hundred total yards. Again, this is pretty similar to what I feel like we see with the Chargers and Cardinals, where there are at least two running backs that you could utilize and run out there as a running back two or flex option every single week. And Mm -hmm. with how Seattle's moving the ball, 
I don't know how you can take Chris Carson or Penny out of your lineup. Yeah, and the snap share has been looking pretty uh, similar in back-to-back weeks now. You know, week 12 we, against the Eagles, we had 53.8% for Carson, 46.2% for Penny. And this week, 52% for Carson, 46.7% for Penny. So now I'm in... I'm in a real tough dilemma in that in you know in that league where I, where I expressed a lot of confidence. I've got Josh Jacobs and Leonard Fournette, so I get to choose between flexing Carson and Penny because I have them both. And what I do in that situation every week, I know I'm probably going to make the wrong Roll decision the <laughs> every single time in the playoffs. So yeah, dartboard or something. But this is going to be a tough one. And uh, if you have the if you had the luxury of if uh, drafting Carson at the beginning of the year and then picking up Penny as as a backup for him, figuring I'm just going to get to Seattle backfield. They're a one run first team. Russell Wilson helps the running backs, you know, by being a threat to run himself. You know, if you came in at the beginning of the year thinking, I'm going to grab this whole backfield, you're at a time going into the playoffs where it's not out of the question to just start both in your running back spots and, and, and get the backfield's production. Yeah, I was talking with a friend earlier about running backs by committee, and you would have thought like the 49ers, for example, if you would have just stacked that 49ers backfield, maybe specifically in a best ball league, you'd be having a lot of success. And that not, hasn't necessarily been the case. If you stacked the Seattle backfield with Carson and, and Penny, especially where their draft stats was at maybe the beginning of August, you're talking about maybe a league winning backfield, especially towards the end of the playoffs mm-hmm. here with both guys being able to contribute. However, you have to guess which one is going to do it each week. And that ends up being a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you could start Carson and Penny if they're going to get you starter level production is a different question mm-hmm. entirely. Yeah, I mean, and you, next week's a little tough for the first round of the playoffs on the road against the Rams. But then you've got uh, the Panthers dead last among or, or, at defending running backs in standard Except formats. For, well, I was going to say Ronald Jones, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, geez. yeah that was uh, my DFS angst this week. But uh, And then uh, week 16 championship, they've got the Cardinals. So another team that struggles to defend opposing backs, uh, 22nd best mark in the league uh, in there. So uh, it's a good, it's a favorable schedule for both of these guys. And and yeah, I mean, if you're benching one of them, that means you're lucky and you did something else right with your roster. Yeah, and worth noting, the Rams are about middle of the pack in terms of uh, yards allowed to the running back position. In their week five, I think it was a Thursday night matchup, they allowed 30, or 136 rushing yards, no touchdowns, but were able to give it three catches and 36 yards for touchdown to that running back spot. Again, that was mainly Chris Carson uh, in that week one through eight stretch. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how Penny gets uh, utilized moving forward. You also brought up the Delvin Cook injury. Mm-hmm. We'll probably need we have to, to touch on that a yeah. little bit before we get down the road. But we'll, yeah. we'll get to what Alexander Madison means to the free agent landscape and everything else. But Delvin Cook did leave that game. It was actually interesting. Both Stephon Diggs and Delvin Cook got injured on the same exact play. It ended up being a fumble that really swinged the momentum completely in Seattle's favor and ended up getting them the victory, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we can say. It's a recurring injury for Delvin Cook. Again, we're doing this recording as of Tuesday afternoon, and the information right now that we have seems to be that Delvin Cook is going to play, but that's coming from Delvin Cook. It remains to be seen what the coaching staff is going to decide for the Vikings, though. Yeah, Cook came into this uh, game with uh, injury tags for most of the week. Uh, You know, he was back in practice in full, but yeah, he was tagged with a chest injury, and now it's considered a shoulder injury. His questionable return ultimately ended up being ruled out for the rest of the game. Hopefully we're listening and grabbed Alexander Madison instead of uh, wasting a roster spot on a fringe receiver. But we'll we'll maybe talk about Madison a little bit more towards the end because he's right on that fringe area and uh, has the potential to be a difference maker. However, as of right now, Delvin Cook says you know the op- the absence was precautionary. He says I'll definitely be ready to go Sunday. So a lot to uh, look at there. Um, they haven't. They have one of the better matchups and one of the best playoff schedules with Detroit in Week 14, uh, and then 
the Chargers and the Packers to round things out in the fantasy playoffs. So uh, whatever running backs taking the reins there, you can expect very good games from. You have to imagine, at least for the Vikings' perspective, that they want Cook healthy, especially for that Week 16 contest, which is essentially shaping up to be a home playoff winning game. Like whoever comes out of that contest with mm-hmm. the win in Week 16 against the Packers is going to get a division spot or a division win and also probably the number three seed potentially mm-hmm. in the NFC playoff landscape. So I wonder if we're going to see reports about Delvin Cook maybe being, especially if he's ineffective against the Lions, sat against mm-hmm. the uh, well the Chargers in that following week in a, in the lead up to what could be, yeah. again, the, the the potential playoff winning matchup for the Vikings mm-hmm. against the Packers in Week 16. Yeah, so I mean, like in my stake league right now, I made the playoffs, do largely to Lamar Jackson, but I'm starting Devin Singletary and Bo Scarborough in my backfield. I recently picked up Alexander Madison for nothing. Now, I, I got to think, this is no PPR whatsoever. Like Even if Cook's healthy, there's a case to be play, made for playing Madison, given just the depth of a league like that. Absolutely, and you were at success with Chase Edmonds in a similar situation. I don't know if... The way the Vikings are going to operate their backfield is similar to what we've seen again with the Chargers and Cardinals and now the Seahawks mm-hmm. in the past couple of weeks. But there's potential there, and they really do use, mm-hmm. utilize the running backs and this, in the passing yeah. game. And this Detroit game has blowout potential. Oh, sure. If they go up 28 to nothing, why would you give Cook another snap? Oh, even 21 nothing, like in the third quarter. That's that's a and it's very mm-hmm. clear. I mean, the Lions are going to be uh, set to start David Blow for another week. Uh, Jeff Driscoll was placed on injured reserve Saturday, so the Lions are down to their third string quarterback. It does not seem like a Matthew Stafford return is imminent. And while Blow looked pretty good against the the Bears on Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving Thursday, I don't know if the same thing is going to happen against the Vikings. Now, maybe Xavier Rhodes will let up another long touchdown pass and make things He's always good for one or two of those. <laughs> it, it, certainly this year, it feels like. But uh, definitely something to monitor, to monitor as we uh, continue throughout the fantasy playoffs. We're going to get to the quarterback position and kind of run through the rest of the other fantasy options at free agency. I want to get a word from our sponsors, though. Yahoo DFS for sports and betting fans in the New Jersey area. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Sports betting is available today at Yahoo Sports and the Yahoo Sports app powered by BetMGM. Yahoo Sports powered by BetMGM allows fans nationwide to view betting odds across a variety of sports and users of legal age to bet in the state of New Jersey can click through the odds and place bets or and place bets on BetMGM. New users 21 or older in New Jersey can make their first $10 deposit and receive $100 in free bets. Go to betmgm.com Yahoo to get started and for and to look for other full offer terms and conditions. Also, Yahoo Daily Fantasy continues to launch new fantasy contests every day. Visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to enter an NFL, NBA, or NHL contest today. Again, just a quick reminder as we go through these free agents, and the quarterbacks can be a little bit slim in particular. We're mm-hmm. trying to go uh, based off of 12-team leagues, $100 waiver wire requirements uh, or waiver wire top priority. Mm-hmm. And we're looking to target players under 50% owned on our sponsored Yahoo site. Yeah. So that makes the quarterback spot in particular pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Frankly, we're we're now down, especially with the fantasy playoffs, to really just these, yeah. the, the two QB options, right? Yeah, I've been really classifying quarterbacks for most of the show this year as these are guys who you could actually pick up and stream. And these are guys that are really limited to just two quarterback leagues. And you know, when I was trying to make today's list, it, it dawned on me that, like, okay, if you're in the playoffs right now, chances are you you haven't had to rely on you know Gardner Minshew, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett all season, unless it's a two quarterback league. So we'll talk about a handful of quarterbacks that have their uh, that have their uh, opportunities opening up this week, have a chance to uh, produce a little bit more than their baseline level that we expect from them, and uh, and we'll kick it off just because. 
with Gardner Minshew. I Minshew feel like we mania. talked about him in week one, and now it's uh, playoffs starting, and we need to bring this full full circle. Um, with Yeah, with Minshew Mania. Uh, took over for Nick Foles in that game, and uh, is going to be the starter moving forward. Does have a tough matchup against the Chargers, that, though, who are they're the sixth best defense against opposing fantasy quarterbacks in uh, in standard formats. So when I say this stat, I write these down all the time. Sixth best means uh, yeah, they're giving up the sixth least amount of Correct. points. And lucky with quarterbacks, there's not a ton of variation in scoring. You know, I, I throw, I do four. When I say standard formats, four points, twenty five yards, that kind of deal. So, how do you anticipate this game script going? Because I, I, I've I've really thought about this quite a bit. Specifically, because I think there's some gambling opportunities in this Jacksonville-Los Angeles contest. And it's two teams that just can't help but lose right now. And whether it be Nick Foles starting for too, too many games and, and uh, Gardner Minshew coming in relief this past weekend and, and not doing all that effective, or the Chargers just blatantly trying to lose, it feels like they were so great last year in one-score games, and now they've been the complete opposite with Sunday's debacle against the, the Broncos on what I thought was a bogus pass interference call on Casey Hayward on a deep pass to Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're at the point now where any one of these teams can win or any one of these teams can lose, and as a result, it makes it really hard for me to anticipate what a game script could look like in this contest yeah this is tough the over under is 43 right now chargers are three point road favorites the difference between the chargers and the jaguars is at least the chargers have had at least the chance to win all of these games and they found a creative way to lose whereas the jaguars at least the last few weeks under folds have been getting blown out pretty badly and haven't really been all that competitive so that for that reason i can see that's how the line goes but who knows maybe Minshew brings it back uh we could see um Again, the over-under doesn't really dictate great things. The defensive matchup doesn't dictate great things for Minshew. Uh, but you never really know. But he's somebody that was likely dropped after Nick Foles came back. So he's probably readily available and out there for you. I actually didn't even I didn't even look up his ownership percentage exactly. It's under 20%. It's, it's under 10%. He's 9% go. owned in Yahoo format. So, uh, yeah, the tough matchup, a, a pretty big part of the reason for that. But uh, he can be picked back up in two quarterback formats because I bet you he's going to get 15 fantasy points. Eh? Actually, that's the stretch. Let's see. Over under on four, would you take the over under on 14 and a half fantasy points against the Chargers? Which is, I think, if you were setting a mark, that's where about where I'd set it and take the bets. I I think I'm taking the under, but you're right. That's that's a mark that that's right there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's very possible, especially if you're playing a whole game, it's hard not to get close to that threshold in terms of 15 mm-hmm. fantasy points. And it might depend on you know how you score touchdowns or passing yards or any bonus stuff like that. Let's just say I will not be using Minshew Mania in DFS circles this week. I don't Ooh, think that's definitely any not. way I want to go. Now you could consider Jacoby Brissett against the Buccaneers, whose defense has been pretty bad mm-hmm. against the pass, great against the run. That's not shaping up well for a guy like Jonathan Williams or Jordan Wilkins, who is a different conversation altogether in terms of frustrating running backs. I think the thing that concerns me with the Colts' passing attack is that T.Y. Hilton is limited or not even going to return this season. Mm-hmm. We've seen uh, Eric Ebron placed on injured reserve. Devin Funches has not come back yet. Yeah, I mean, There's a lot of weapons missing in that for, Colts' offense. For context here, Jack Doyle was first on the team with 11 targets this right. week. And uh, and then second was Zach Pascal with ten. The return so, uh, of Pascal. Yeah, the return of Pascal. Yeah, so that's the thing. He's thirty eight percent owned. He's pretty readily available um, in two quarterback leagues. He's probably snatched up already because he's been decently productive this year. Has a good matchup, maybe flyer for DFS. But you're right, the weapons uh, or the lack thereof, the weapons are a serious problem. Do we have any news on Marlon Mack yet? I haven't checked that yet today. I I don't know, but I, I would I, like him to be back for my stake league, of course. But uh, I don't think it makes a difference against this Buccaneers 
Buccaneers defense that has been consistently good. And that's about mm-hmm. the only thing from Tampa Bay that's been actually consistent for not just this year, but it feels like for the past three or four seasons, they've been able to shut down running backs. And again, whether it be Marlon Mack or Jonathan Williams, Jordan Wilkins, or even Naeem Hines, who has scored a touchdown and evaporated any hope at me getting a higher seed in another mm-hmm. playoff game, which yeah. was devastating. I don't feel comfortable using any of those guys. And I, yeah, I think technically, be... technically Marlon Mack is facing uh, Tampa Bay is the number one defense against opposing running backs in standard formats. And the week after that, New Orleans is number four. I'm just hoping I get him back for Carolina and Jacksonville to end right. the season for my stake league points because we, because we do points for the whole season in that format. So, but, it, but in any case, uh, you can't count on him this week. And even if he is back, uh, the possibility of being limited in the matchup alone there makes things tough. So Jacoby Brissett, on paper, if you look at the season long, uh, you know, spread, you know, spread, uh, it seems like a good a good matchup based on what Tampa Bay has done to quarterbacks. But if you're looking deeper into the context, uh, that's one that you maybe got to watch out for a little bit. Another name that I have on here is Ryan Tannehill. Wasn't great against the Colts last week, but has a pretty good matchup against the Raiders this week who have been getting torn up, whether, you know, Sam Darnold or, or Mahomes and, or, and company, as everybody does. But uh, Raiders have been getting uh, torched through the air a little bit. Uh, do you think about Tannehill? Because he was pretty consistent heading into this week. Yeah, and I wonder, well, I get frustrated with my A.J. Brown and Corey Davis shares. I think that's the, the part that really is I don't weird. think anyone should have Corey Davis shares anymore, No, period. no. Well, I guess in best ball is where If you I'm, did, I'm you're probably, oh, I guess there you go. Yeah, I was going to say, if you did, you're probably out of the playoffs. Right. I think it's Derrick Henry that's really been the catalyst for this Titans offense. And it's mm-hmm. worth pointing out, the Raiders and Colts, we just talked about them before, have kind of played themselves out of a chance at the, the final playoff spot. And if the Raiders have any hope, they have to win this game. But Derek Carr looked god-awful against the Chiefs this past week. And game script-wise, it feels like it's another Derrick Henry contest where maybe Carr throws a pick or two, Derrick Henry gets 120-plus yards rushing, and Tannehill doesn't have to do much. Mm-hmm. I guess what you're looking for is a conversion in a passing touchdown yeah. when they get to the red zone. And I feel really uncomfortable going that direction as opposed to maybe a guy like Daniel mm-hmm. Jones who is going against what evidently is a bad Eagles defense again or at the very least is going to have to pass a lot. Like These aren't great options. We're talking about two QB potential streamers. Yeah. But if I had to go one or the other, I think Daniel Jones makes more sense for mm-hmm. a, a passing perspective. Well, I guess I guess I almost forgot that uh, Derrick Henry explodes in the fantasy playoffs. That's uh, yeah. like yeah, that's, that's he's really that's been a great rule. all season long. Though, to mm-hmm. be honest, but he, he's gotten better as the seasons progress. Is he but, first round pick next year? Oh, certainly. But th- that's that's a different conversation for uh, our last uh, last yeah. episode podcast. <laughs> he's definitely a first round pick, if only because we should just do a first round mock in that last show. That'll be I a fun be, way to I do it. I would love to do that. That'd be mm-hmm. excellent. And I love the mock drafts overall. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I talked about Daniel Jones. He did twist his ankle evidently against the Packers. He threw three interceptions, which made Chris List very upset. Uh, of course, the resident Giants fan. Actually, he was completely on board. He, I feel like he had the blinders Does on. Does he want to fire Shermer yet, or has he wanted to fire Shermer for a while? I think he's concerned that Jason Garrett could join the Giants, so it might be a— Oh, boy. <laughs> he's more like a, a lesser of two <laughs> All right, evils, yeah, but definitely tune in to SiriusXM uh, to see how that plays or out. Or the Monday NFL podcast where Jeff Erickson and uh, Chris List break down all of the mm-hmm. week's games. And he was he had a little bit of blinders, I felt like, when I was listening uh, to the Giants and his and his take on them. Daniel Jones threw three picks against the Packers. I know the conditions were pretty snowy and everything else, but he didn't look great. And I guess he avoided getting sacked and fumbling the ball, but three interceptions is still three interceptions. I have no idea, more importantly, what to make of the Eagles defense. Ryan Fitzpatrick looked like the Ryan Fitzpatrick of 2008. And, I was so in on the Eagles defense. I like the Be- Fitzpatrick in the first three weeks of last year. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's like 13 different iterations of a really good Fitzpatrick, and then there's many, many more bad iterations of him. But we saw the good one against the against the Eagles defense in Miami this past week. It's a Monday night game. 
The Eagles need to win this one to make the playoffs. I know I shouldn't be making a narrative basis. Mm-hmm. I, I hate that need to win also. argument because every week, every week you need to win. I don't think that changes how you play. They at need all. to win now in week fourteen, especially with an easy matchup in prime time. Mm-hmm. You have an extra day of rest. All this is shaping up, in my yeah. opinion, for the Eagles to do well and stop Daniel Jones. But I would have thought the same thing applied last week against the Dolphins too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Carson Wentz will have a good game. He's got Jeffrey back. Uh, maybe Ertz will be a little more healthy in the situation. But the need to win doesn't really drive the needle for me uh, in terms of fantasy or betting on the game in any way, shape, or form here. But uh, no, I, I guess yeah. If Jan- Daniel Jones is healthy, maybe he bounces back a little bit. I could believe that. Any interest in Drew Locke at two percent owned or Mace, or uh, Duck Devlin Hodges at Arizona? Arizona is one of the two worst teams with Tampa Bay at defending opposing quarterbacks. So. Yeah, we saw Jared Goff throw for over 400 yards in three and a half quarters this past week. Well, actually, mm-hmm. it was two and a half quarters. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. the evisceration of the Cardinals. I would rather have uh, Duck Hodges against the Cardinals, but very barely. James Washington had to save his fantasy day off of a ridiculous catch, which kind of swung the whole game for the Browns and their loss. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I watched a lot of that Chargers Broncos game. It felt pretty certain, just be, how the Chargers usually play the Broncos, that they were going to lose. But it was not Drew Locke that really had any difference maker in that contest, and they got very conservative mm-hmm. in the second half, which is what you expect for Drew Locke. At least has the luxury of throwing the ball up to Cortland Sutton. And, sure. uh, and possibly having come down with it. I mean, you could say that for any quarterback playing for Denver because that's pretty much their big play plan. That's the only shot they got. And that's the only concern, though, is that that really is the only shot they have because Philip Lindsay has been losing playing time to Rice Freeman, who is a worse player. They've been getting Noah, Van- Noah Fant involved somewhat, but mm-hmm. there isn't a second receiver that they are capably utilizing anyway. Oh, right on. I just I didn't think we knew for sure on the Drew Lock announcement at this point last week, so I just wanted to work uh, that yeah, name I mean, into it, the discussion worth to make sure it. make sure he's on the radar for two quarterback leagues because that's someone that you may bid on. If, you know, if you're facing if you got a quarterback in a tough matchup this week, I agree. Let's let's go over the running back position because at least there's a little bit more fruitful conversation that can occur. Starting first, and I think almost wrapping up entirely, how much are you going to spend on Alexander Alexander Madison if he is available on your wire? You talked about in stake league that you picked him up for absolutely nothing. If we knew. Last week. We, right, <laughs> last week. If we knew what we knew now about Dalvin Cook and his injury status, what do you think people in the stake league are going to be bidding on? Or what, what do you think uh, fantasy owners out there who seem available should be bidding up right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, geez, Jonathan Williams went in the upper 30s, and I had to pay – well, I, I desperately needed a running back, so I had to pay, I think, 33 or 36 for both Scarborough. So definitely above that. I mean, it's just a matter of how much money people have left. Uh, if you have to bid on him tonight and you don't know about the Delvin Cook injury um, – that, that becomes really tough because I don't know how many more empty your fab guys we're going to see the rest of the year. And holding on to your fab is risky in itself because, you know, who knows if that guy's going to come along and you might just eat it at the end of the year. So I think, I personally think he's an empty your fab guy. Um, if you have $90 in fab left somehow, then you could probably get away. I mean, this is the point in the season where you go to your league site, see how much money everyone else has left, and just make sure you upbid the next guy. By one, yeah. Yeah, if you're in that situation. So, uh, I don't know. I would think 45 would get it done normally. I just don't think not, not a lot of owners would have that. So, I'd, I'd put uh, this is, yeah, this is when we have to look at the whole list, see what's out there, and see what you can get away with and make an educated bid based on that. But he's, he's the number one pickup this week uh, by a mile, I think. Yeah, with or without close. with or without Cook playing this week, because yeah. uh, who, you know who knows if the, they have to rest Cook at some point or they go to more to a timeshare to help uh, help curb his workload a little bit. Those are all things that could happen, and we've seen Madison have productive games even with even with Cook there. And if there's any kind of shift in the in the workload in an effort to save Cook for the playoffs, who 
you know, I had a little bit of an injury history go, mm-hmm. uh, heading into this year. You know, it was lower body stuff before this year, and now, you know, it's upper body, chest, shoulder, that type of deal. But, uh, yeah, no, medicine's your guy, and uh, I can't stress this principle enough. I don't care if you have the – if you're starting both Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, still put a bid in on Madison to stop the next guy from getting it because otherwise you have a chance of getting burned by him uh, when you face the guy who picked him up. I actually am doing this with defenses. That's how far I'm going down with this thought process and trying to avoid giving my competitors any sort of advantage. But you're right. And it's frustrating that Alexander Madison is only 30% owned on Yahoo. I imagine in your leagues, if you're listening right now, it might be a little bit higher. But there should have been no reason a guy in this situation with the Vikings backfield and the way they utilize those running backs as is that he's only 30% owned. That's frustrating. We've been touting now for weeks that your scrubby fourth, fifth string receivers or your second defense, your kicker that you had randomly on your roster, those guys have to go to pick up these lucrative backup options like Madison for this reason and this reason only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, let's go to Raheem Mostert. He had 19 carries, 19 in the loss of the Ravens compared to Tevin Coleman's normal five. Now, talking with my resident 49ers fan, it seemed more like it was the hot hand in Mostert that got the most of the carries. He, of course, broke off that long run that kept them in this contest. I don't know if I want a single share of anybody in the 49ers, 49ers backfield, whether it be Matt Breida, who could return this week, or Tevin Coleman, or he Mostert, but I'm sure somebody out there might be chasing the production in an effort to maybe claim what might be the better running back for the 49ers at this moment. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, the scariest part for me is uh, Tevin Coleman's 17.5% of the snaps uh, and Mostert's 73.7% of the snaps with a little Jeff Wilson mixed in there. That's Coleman's lowest snap share by a mile and just and it's just very very concerning he had some great games in the middle you know he had his three touchdown game uh and you're right maybe this whole 49ers thing could be a hot hand I'm not looking to aggressively get Mostert but if I'm but let's say let's say I'm in a situation where I'm holding Delvin Cook don't have a lot of depth and Madison's already scooped up I definitely put a bid on Mostert just to hope you can get one of his ceiling games uh, through the playoffs because I think he should be owned a little bit more than what the percentage is at, but you do have to temper expectations some. I would rather have a guy like Benny Snell, who's currently at 34% owned, mm-hmm. uh, so long as we assume Connor is out, and I don't know if the information is there quite mm-hmm. yet. But we, we Was know Connor even close to a return this week? I'm trying uh, to look that like up. It sounds like he was, he was yeah. near it this past week. He's, quote, no, questionable as we stand today, says no Mike Tomlin guarantee. this morning. So, uh so, yeah, I guess I, I can buy that. If uh, Connor is out, Snell is the better pickup. I'll go as far as to say, so long as Kalen Bellage is out, and frankly, he should be, whether it be injury or performance related, Patrick Laird is a better pickup than Raheem Mostert right now, especially in the PPR league. He didn't mm-hmm. do much with his carries against the Eagles. I think he was like uh, 10 carries, five yards, something like that. Yeah. But, but he, he did scored. score a touchdown uh, rushing and also had four or five catches, which is really the predominantly important thing for Laird, especially when it comes to the Dolphins and running. I don't know why they're even utilizing somebody to that capacity. Laird is actually a pretty good receiving option. Of course, they're missing a few of their weapons right now. Devontae Parker has very clearly emerged as a top wideout. I like Laird even more than a guy like Raheem Mostert right now. I don't know. Laird seems like someone you pick up to not lose, and Mostert seems like someone you pick up to just go for the win or broke. No, no, no. Mostert is the guy you pick up that you're trying to lose. Where you, where you're, <laughs> where you're talking about uh, picking the wrong guy every single time, whatever 49ers backfield option you want to use, I think that's the one that's going to mm-hmm. lose you. It would be Coleman, Mostert, whatever else. And yes, I am talking out of frustration because Coleman was in my starting lap in that league that uh, is down 80 points in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There's just there's no way I want anything to do with the San Francisco's yeah. backfield. The only reason I'll I'll concede this point to you is that uh, the whole 49ers backfield, as messed up as it is, goes to New Orleans this week. 
uh, who's the fourth best against yes. opposing running backs. So um, if you're hoping for any kind of a ceiling game, remember you're not buying last week's production. Um, so I, I think uh, in all of this, um, I'd put Benny Snell as number two behind Alexander Madison. Snell's 34% owned. I thought Connor was getting close to a return, but it doesn't seem like that based on the comments this morning. So Madison one, Snell two for me. Then after that, it starts to get really convoluted. I think I'd still rather have Mostert than Patrick Laird because uh, Patrick Laird, but um, it's you know you're you're spinning a wheel at that point. I'll give you a third one that I actually like more: Darwin Thompson with Damian Williams. Certainly up in the air right now. He wasn't able to play this past week. We have really no idea what his stats is, other than it hasn't been trending upwards. It seems like for Kansas City and Darwin Thompson actually was the guy that got some of those bulk carries towards the end. Now it was a blowout. We know that Andy Reid has been trying to save LaShawn McCoy for this stretch of the regular season. So it's entirely possible that McCoy comes in and does uh, 12 carries for 55 yards and three or four catches, and then Darwin Thompson becomes obsolete. But when you're talking about other guys, other than Alexander Madison, I like Darwin Thompson as that Benny Snell range, where especially if we don't know what Damian Williams' stats is going to be, he's a worthwhile pick, but should at least be on your roster. Again, over those fourth or fifth wide receivers that are going to do nothing for you. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know how how excited you can really get about it. I mean, this was the first time all season he's had more than a eight percent snap share, and even then he was still tied identical with LaShawn McCoy. Now LaShawn McCoy is, you know, a fumbler two away from a benching. He usually is. He still carries that ball way out there. Yeah. I, 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 it astonishes me sometimes when I watch that how he how he doesn't fumble more often than he already does. Um Oh, but Darren Thompson, I just don't know if I can get super excited about it. I don't want to overreact to a very, very positive game script, especially when they've got a matchup against New England coming up. So yeah, that, I just again, I can't. That, that hinders where we talk about, um, yeah. you know, the 49ers I mean, if, backfield. If you're confident in uh, your starting running backs and you have the dead roster spot, maybe pick them up for uh, Denver and Chicago matchups to finish the fantasy playoffs. But uh, but starting him this week is a real, real tough proposition that I don't think I can get behind. Am I allowed to vent? Any more than I already have? In this yeah, podcast. yeah, fire at me. Let's go. Peyton Barber. That, yeah, dude, we can both do this. Peyton Barber, Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I despise you. <laughs> I hate you with so much vitriol and frustration that I can't accurately describe just how painful you make me feel, okay? Because this was supposed to be it. This was supposed to be my time in the sun with Ronald Jones to dance in the light that was going to be a very bad Jacksonville defense. And lo and behold, we had Bruce Arians deciding, oh no, Ronald Jones misses one block, a block, and he never gets to play the rest of the game, despite being up 20 plus points by the end of the second quarter. Dare Ogumbawale snapped Ronald Jones. I hate you, Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Peyton Barber. And then you got the red zone stats here too. Like I had some, I had some good DFS lineups that would have been great DFS lineups had I switched. You know, I, I the Darius Geis thought had crossed my mind a couple times, mm. but I just couldn't muster myself to pull the trigger. He was a few hundred dollars cheaper than Jones. I could have messed around a little bit, but uh, you know that's what really cost me from just a slightly profitable day to a just horrendous day. I don't know. I had I had a hunch on the Eagles this week, the Wentz Jeffrey thing, and that ended up working out all right. Wentz Jeffrey Standers was the stack that I built most most of the lineups around. Uh, not to get too far off track here uh, from the venting, but uh, the Ronald Jones point eight fantasy points was a killer he had such a glorious matchup you still got a chance week 15 if you're still alive joe i think week 15 could be his week well that's the thing 
but this Tampa Bay unpredictability is just some of the worst. I mean, it started off with OJ Howard. You know, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there with him. You know, you mentioned that Jones missed the block and then he was just in the doghouse. Howard's done the same thing a couple times this year. I don't know if he misses an assignment, puts in a weak effort, then ends up bench the rest of the game. Uh, that is very frustrating. I mean, I can vent even more. I mean, Rashawn Perriman right. getting getting the leading the team in receiving yards. You know, when I've got Mike Evans sitting on the roster with a first round buy on the line, this Tampa Bay team is incredibly frustrating, and I don't really know what to make of it moving forward. All I know is I'm not going to make that dumb mistake of trying to pick the running back for DFS anymore. Barber had 15 plus carries and only 44 yards to a defense that prior to Sunday was the second most in terms of line points to the running back position. I get it. You can't go game by game and just add it all up. A lot of people have pointed that out as a fallacy in terms of production, but it was very clear Jacksonville was bad and bad, particularly at stopping the run. And the Buccaneers had a three touchdown lead for much of the game. And yet we had Peyton Barber getting his freaking 2.5 yards per carry, blowing up anything I had for Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is my running back too in a lot of different leagues that I'm in the playoffs because of injuries and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what to make. Like, I just have no idea. And it's not like a Derrick Henry thing where Jones is going to explode and go for 150-plus yards. I have to hope that he's going to get me seven-plus points. That, that's where I'm at <laughs> You have right to now. hope he's going to get a third of the snaps at this point. Oh, my God. I just... Yeah. Bruce Arians, just throw us a bone. I, just, just come on, guys. Just, just do something right for us, Tampa Bay. Thank you. Let's move over to the wide receivers before I blow any more gaskets. We were at least pretty much on for the guys that we recommended last week. Darius Slayton did okay, I think, uh, as a wide receiver three or flex. You had to be happy with his production against the Packers. Could have had a bigger day, but a 29-yard reception was called back in the penalty. Cole mm-hmm. Beasley in the revenge game. I was scoffed at by Mario Puig on SiriusXM's Thursday night or Thursday show that there was going to be no revenge game narrative. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. I'm like, yes, go on the Cole Beasley. And I even put a little bit of money on the line with that. Some, sometimes stupid works. Dice. Sometimes that silliness will work a little bit. I'll, I'll admit that uh, there wasn't any super analytics-based thing. and that, That's exactly the kind of thing that would get under Mario's skin a little bit, you know, just like throwing darts like that. Six and, catches, 110 yards, touchdown. Revenge game, Cole Beasley. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. That at least worked out for my DFS lineups on Thursday. Here we are now looking at a few other receivers that have been questionable, to say the least. Calvin Harmon. Going against the Packers this week, led the Skins in five with five targets. I think Terry McLaurin's going to do well against the Packers. I really do. But Kelvin Harmon has kind of emerged as the second receiver to own. And it's weird to say mm-hmm. with the Redskins right now, but they actually might have enough where you could use a second receiver in DFS or even in deeper leagues. Yeah. I mean, this whole wide receiver list I made is just a bunch of bullet points. So we could have a wide receiver section to talk about <laughs> in the first place. I mean, the, the, the waiver wire fab really falls essentially with the running backs but if you're looking for your wide receiver three in a in a I don't know 20 team league because maybe Diggs got hurt or, or somebody else got hurt um these are some guys that you maybe think about uh Harmon team league that you're talking about for Calvin Harmon <laughs> I think in a 14 team league I'd, I'd be utilizing Calvin Harmon yeah against maybe the Packers? If, you get full, if you get full PPR I guess you could think about against it against the Packers he's scoring a touchdown I'll, I'll put that out right now. I guarantee you Calvin Harmon scoring a touchdown mm-hmm. when the Packers win 34-21. Well, then go ahead and use him at 2,500 on DraftKings or whatever it is. Well, I could probably find some other guys better. But hey, yeah, I, we'll I, see. I, I'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, um, yeah, Calvin Harmon. Okay, so let's go to Zach Pascal then, who I think is probably a more relevant name, at least mm-hmm. in 12-team and 10-team leagues. Again, T.Y. Hilton is potentially not coming back for the rest of the season, much less this past week. Mm-hmm. It's not a great matchup overall for the Colts, but he was second in Jack Doyle yeah. in targets. 
and got 100-plus receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Possibly no T.Y. Hilton, definitely no Devin Funches. I know uh, for a couple weeks we kind of speculated on his return a little bit. Didn't pan out like we thought. So now we're looking at the Zach Pascal-Marcus Johnson show. Marcus Johnson actually had six targets in this game, so, so who the heck knows. But uh, Pascal's probably... He's probably the most fantasy relevant out of this list of brutal receivers that we're going to discuss a little bit this week. And uh, um, what did I say about the matchup? We were talking about Brissett earlier. Um, there's a against chance the Buccaneers. it's well, against I, I the should, Buccaneers. Yeah, again, I, I should say this. I was thinking more so down the line against the Buccaneers. Actually, pretty darn good matchup. Not not so much a a mm-hmm. bad one. It does make a difference. Chester Rogers left uh, Sunday's game against the Titans as well, which adds into why he got such a big workload. But it, mm-hmm. it's very clear that Rogers that they, now on IR. So. They, they need someone else to pass to. And I think when it comes to T.Y. Hilton's stats in particular, we don't know if Paris Campbell can come back either. There has to be somebody besides Jack Doyle that's doing something for the Colts' offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially in this matchup against Tampa Bay where you know maybe they will give up some points and have to uh, have to throw the ball a little bit to compete. So, yeah, yeah, Pascal would be the best wide receiver option that's readily available this week if you if you need one, I would say. There's Alexander Madison, and then would Pascal be the second best pickup this week? I think it's pretty fair to say that he could be. If I had to flex Benny Snell or Zach Pascal, I'd probably rather flex Snell. In but a PPR the, league, obviously, that's different, though, right? In a PPR league. Yeah, that'd be a little bit different, okay. I, I guess. But yeah, just in standard scoring, for, I think I'm with you on Snell, especially if Connor in half Howard, PPR. Obviously. Even I still think I'm leaning towards Snell. But yeah, it's interesting. I, mm-hmm. Pascal and Jack Doyle, who we'll talk about a little bit when it comes to the tight end position, probably your top two or three or four options. Certainly in the top five. It's also worth mentioning that Auden Tate seems to be back in potential for something uh, as a fantasy wide receiver, mm-hmm. especially with Andy Dalton now at quarterback. I don't know. I, I was in on Tyler Boyd, and it worked out okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Think yeah, I used him be, in DFS this week too. I, I thought Dalton back would room, be uh, room for Auden Tate to do something though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think it's yeah with Dalton back, Tate becomes slightly relevant only because he has a slightly less incompetent quarterback. I don't get too crazy. I, I won't get too crazy scooping back up Auden Tate shares, but uh, it's an it's an option that's generally available uh, if we're ready to go. I feel like I already did my rant on the Buccaneers overall, especially with Ronald Jones. So there's no really need to bring up Bashad Perriman other than, yes, he's torpedoing the Chris Godwin and Mike Evans owners out there. And yes, I don't think he's doing this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm definitely right with you on, on this one. <laughs> I, I was I was concerned for a second. It's like, oh, boy, you were going to have Jake go ahead and go off and rant him. Again, I had, a, I had a really hard time putting the receivers the receiver list together this week. There's not a whole it's lot out there. And they got, yeah, it is week 14. Everyone that's established is owned, and everyone that's breaking out is, is just very, very fringy. I, I agree with you. We're going to get to the tight ends and defenses so you can mercilessly mock me about the Eagles. Before we do that, though, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Armchair Quarterback. Armchair Quarterback is a real-time game where you predict the next play during a live football broadcast. Do you know what the next play is going to be? Predict it and earn points. Climb the leaderboard and increase your chances to win tickets and other prizes. It's the perfect way to make watching games more exciting. We have a special league for all WorldWire subscribers. I'll be posting the leaderboard online and mentioning them here. This week, we're playing the Eagles versus the Giants. You can also form your own league with your fantasy friends. The full schedule and game information is available at armchairquarterback.com. Armchair Quarterback, make every game bigger we talked about jack doyle he ended up being a pretty good fantasy option caden smith who i think you mentioned or at least i talked about a little bit worked out all right because evan ingram and rhett ellison were both out for the giants and the packers are just awful at stopping the tight end Mm -hmm. so here we are now considering a few options tyler higby 
who of course went off against the, the Cardinals without Gerald Everett around, now against the Seahawks this week, or Darren Fells acting as kind of like the Eric Ebron where he's the touchdown monster at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Fells' ownership was up after some of those touchdown games, but I looked and it was probably back down, most likely because people are probably releasing him after bye weeks. But, uh, you know, Higby I didn't have a ton of faith in, even with the matchup, because he hadn't really shown a whole lot heading into this game. But after getting eight targets and catching seven of them for 107 and a score, um, he's in play. I mean, the Seattle defense um, is you know relatively respectable, but they're 29th in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. So uh, they're actually, I mean, Arizona is basically a full standard deviation away from the rest right. of the competition yeah, in this, in this uh, category. So saying that uh, Seattle's only three spots better doesn't it doesn't say have the exact meaning that that you would think it is but still not very good and then you got Dallas who's number 20 on that list definitely probably sit him out uh, week 16 against San Francisco but I think Higby would be the guy you're looking for of course that's a little dependent on Everett staying out it's, it's we both, very dependent it's very dependent you're right and, and when we both thought that uh, Everett's injury was going to be a little bit more serious uh, it's a hyperextended knee it looked worse right. than what we're hearing in the diagnosis so uh, um, yeah I guess we'll we can speculate on that, but this is one where you just kind of have to watch the injury report and, yeah, and, and uh, hope you can really still benefit. Weird. Like the, the Robert Woods random scratch a couple of weeks ago, Brandon Cooks and what his stats has been after multiple concussions. They, they've been really, it's been hard to judge what they've been really able to do with those injury reports. I like, I, Dick Higby was my DFS Titan, their mm-hmm. tight end this week. So it ended up working out. I, you could probably pick him up, but if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you're probably not streaming the tight end position. I mean, like if you if you look at the mm-hmm. ones that are most successful, it's the George Kittles or Mark Andrews of the world, and I just don't know how many times you have to stream it. If you are considering even going over, let's say, Greg Olson or a Tyler Higby, what direction would you end up doing? Ooh, that's tough. Again, if if Everett's out, then I probably would go Higby. Higby's interesting because uh, in 91.9% of the snap share last week, but still, he was basically 70-30 over Everett the week before when Everett got hurt, and 75-25 over Everett the week before that. He was always and, the blocker. I mean, yes. they signed him to an extension earlier this past season because he was the blocking mm-hmm. option for that offense. He was out there a lot in two tight end sets, which they had to run because they didn't have a lot of receivers. Well, they're getting some of those guys back healthy, but if Everett's out, I think Higby, Higby makes some sense. I know you talked about Darren Fells. Jordan Atkins scares me a little bit. A little bit. Can I give you a different tight end that I would rather have this week and this week only over Darren Fells? Can I try to guess it? Yes. Is it Goddard? No, no. It's actually not. You are the one that likes Goddard way more than I do. Fair. Yeah. Although I, I, I'm I'm fine with if you have to start Goddard. Goddard. Yeah. I look at Goddard and Fells in the same light. They're little touchdown vultures that are there just to like irk Ertz and Hopkins yes. and, and owners. You know, they're yes. just these little touch. I mean, again, it's uh. These aren't great fantasy seasons by any any meaning, but uh, I think one of our one of our colleagues over at Yahoo, I forget which one, coined the term touchdown deodorant. It makes Ooh. a season that otherwise stinks smell a little bit better yeah. because you got all those touchdowns. I like that. Um, okay, so again, this is this is pure, uh, purely off the fact that I've seen my team's defense for an entire season. I know how very very bad they are at many stops, but particularly the tight end position. I think Jeremy Sprinkle is going to get you five points. <laughs> Jeremy Sprinkle. Jeremy Sprinkle, a tight end and the for best the tight end name. Right yep. is getting you five points. And this is only specific to tight end leagues that might be out there. I think of the Scott Fishbowl in particular, which a lot of our colleagues are actually in. And it is two tight ends out there in an auction format. He's probably available. I, I would imagine he's under one percent, if if that. Like I, nobody should be rostering Jeremy Sprinkle, but I get you. I bet you he gets you five PPR points or more this week against the Packers. Yeah, I, I would still take Fells in that bet if I was coming down to relying on All Jeremy right, Sprinkle. I'm in on that. Are we are we doing another Culver's board bet right here? <laughs> yeah, let's Jeremy fucking, Sprinkle or Darren Fells. All right, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by at least get like 
three or four points difference. Is that fair? Can I can I add that in there? I'll give you two and a half. Two and a half. So I get I get two and a half. All right. Because if Fells doesn't score a touchdown, I'm toast. Yeah. Right. All right two and against and a half. Denver. All right. Two and a half I'm points. I'm in on that one. Okay. There two, we go. Are we Second. doing full PPR or? Yes. Yes. Full full uh, full PPR. So on DraftKings scoring, I guess you can say. Okay. Jeremy Sprinkle two and a half points. Darren Fells. All right, let's do this it. This is going to make this my, is probably the stupidest I, bet I, I've I, ever made in my life. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to the game uh, against the Redskins this Sunday, so I will be actively on the Jeremy Sprinkle watch more than you could ever know, or anybody in the NFL would actually want to be watching. Is Sprinkle at least like starting this? Y- yes. Okay, I guess Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed are both. Yes, on IR, Jeremy so. Sprinkle has two catches for 36 yards last week. He's got. I thought you were least... going to say two catches for 36 <laughs> yards this season. No, he's gotten at least 10 yards receiving in all but two games this season. So, ha, I'm going to get you on this. Jeremy Sprinkle is going to have a career game against the Packers defense this week. A career game. All right. Well, I guess let's, <laughs> let's wait and see here. Let's, let's move over to the defenses. Of course, I have been completely torpedoed, and I was already getting talked about on Twitter a little bit with the Eagles defense recommendation, who I said even two weeks ago, you need to pick up for the stretch against the Dolphins, then the Giants. And then the Redskins, well, they didn't do great in one-third of that option against the Dolphins this past week. I think I still have to roll the dice if I have them against the Giants, who could be without Daniel Jones. I guess we don't really know for certain, and we probably won't know until Saturday. I don't know which one of those guys is even more turnover-prone when it comes to the quarterback position. Oh, I would much rather, if I was uh, looking for the the Eagles not score many points, I think I would rather have Daniel Jones in there. I think Eli Manning is significantly worse. Yeah, probably, but Especially Daniel Jones is a little more. Weeks. Yeah, but Daniel Jones is a little more reckless. That's the only thing. I would, I would imagine the Giants get negative points. Like if there's a way, if Elon Manning ends up starting this week, they're <laughs> going to get negative points out there. It's going to be thirty-seven to negative two. I think they'll find a way to get that happen. That's how uh, not in I am on Eli Manning. Packers defense against the Redskins, despite how I talked about Jeremy Sprinkle, that will beat your Darren Fell scoreline. They can get turnovers, they can get sacks, and we know that Dwayne Haskins is still trying to get and mature into his own as a quarterback. So I like the Packers' defense more than the Eagles this week, but I think they're both top five streaming options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair. I, yeah, I guess I would rank the Packers ahead of the Eagles just because I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect out of the Redskins, and at least the Packers are at home. We could have crappy weather. Um, I want to throw one more into the mix. Um, I think they're under thirty percent owned, actually, and it's one that kind of got forgotten after uh, JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney uh, came into town. But the Texans get Drew Locke. And if uh, Cortland Sutton is unable to do single-handedly make those big play abilities, um, I don't know. I think the Texans could be a fair a fair matchup in that game. I'm, I'm, I didn't look at the over-under before this, but I'd be willing to bet it is low. Uh, 41 and a half, and Houston are nine and a half point home favorites. And they're pretty readily available out there. So uh, I don't know. I'm talking myself into Houston as we go. They're at 27% here as we speak, but naturally they're owned in the league that I'm looking at. So probably just somebody never dropped them or maybe they're holding two defenses. But uh uh, the I like Packers the top- are 49% owned, yeah, so they're okay. going to be tougher. They're going to be tougher to get, even if they have the better matchups. So maybe you throw Houston in there. I like the Cowboys against the Bears on Thursday night more than the Texans, but that's not to say the Texans aren't bad. In fact, you look at some of the more popular defenses out there: the Rams going against the Seahawks, Seahawks going against the Rams, Patriots against the Chiefs this week. Chiefs actually did really good against the Raiders last week. Maybe they're owned more. The Steelers against the Cardinals. That probably still a guy that you or a team that you want to start. There's not a lot of great matchups, so you could conceivably mm-hmm. talk me into the Cowboys against the Bears and the Texans against the Broncos being top 10, top 8 
fantasy defenses this week. I think it's mm-hmm. entirely possible given their matchups. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, they're finding their pass rush again. I mean, they got three. They sacked Tom Brady three times, and uh, and I, I don't think they're going to get negative points at least from being scored on too much. Like the Eagles were at risk of this past week. So, because uh, I don't, I don't see Drew Locke hanging thirty on anybody. So. I guess you can make a case for that. It's rough for streaming defense. Chances are you're going with your guys this week, the guy that or the defense that carried you this far. Yeah, I guess unless you're the Patriots and the Chiefs, I would not go that direction despite how dominant they've been. I think you can do better. Oh, you give me the eyes like you maybe start the Pats. I'm thinking. Oh, I'm just. I'm. I'm trying to visualize the interception Mahomes threw, but that doesn't move the needle at all for me. Yeah, I mean, I know Bill Belichick is a mastermind, and I, I do think the Pats win that game, but I think uh, Mahomes. He he hasn't really been that turnover prone in his career. That's right. I feel like maybe you just throw the Patriots out there in hopes they get one sneaky touchdown. Maybe they force a McCoy fumble or something like that, or a blocked punt. They, oh, they, yeah, they're so you, great. They, they, yeah, they find they find dumb ways to score touchdowns. Yeah. Basically, is what this is. So um, I could very much see like trying to overthink this, then benching the Patriots, and then watching them get 15 points on my bench, even in a game where they allow 28 points because of some one or two fluky touchdowns. Okay. All right. I would much rather have like the Eagles or Packers, but if you're kind of considering or, or caught in that quagmire with those Think about teams. that, though. You, the Eagles gave up 37 points to the Dolphins this past week, and you have to make a conscious move to replace the Patriots in your lineup with the Eagles. I don't Jake, think I could do it. Jake, the Eagles need to win. The Eagles need to win this week against All right, the that's enough. That's enough. I've had enough for this show. I think our listeners maybe have to with that. That does it for us in the Week 14 edition of the RotoWire NFL Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Of course, uh, if you've been listening all season long with us and still in the playoff hunt, please rate and review the podcast. It does great for us in terms of getting us out there a little bit more. Uh, and, and toss over Jake real quick so he can plug his college basketball stuff like he's just dying to do. Oh, I, I wasn't even planning on plugging college basketball stuff today, but thank you for the opportunity. I mean, more important than the uh, college basketball stuff, uh, com slash pod for 10 days free. You'll get all of our uh, all of our NFL content, all of our DFS content. So if you're if you're out of your season-long league, you can use it for DFS contest. If you're in it, you can uh, you can use a bunch of our My League import tools to be able to uh, get custom advice for your league. All that kind of stuff is awesome. And the 10 days isn't just limited to NFL, uh, just so you guys know. So if you're playing NBA DFS, you're playing NHL DFS, DFS, you want to catch up, do some pickups in uh, those season-long leagues, or um, I actually made my college basketball column free today. I wrote a, a DFS college mm-hmm. basketball preview for tonight, but uh, I was feeling generous for the holiday season. I don't know if it, the, <laughs> the cheer is in the air for December, but uh, those columns are free uh, for the time being on rotowire.com, so check it out and uh, you know give the tools a spin. Right now, the only real paid tool uh, are some of the stats pages and the advanced stats pages and the lineup optimizer if you want to do customization, but I've been making a lot of the article content free, hopefully hoping to catch more eyes and i'd definitely appreciate it if you could check out college basketball because as sad as it makes me november flew by before you know it december is going to be done and college football will be done and Let's the best thing we'll have time. the best thing we'll have to look forward to is march madness and i definitely won't be going away i might be going away from the uh, the whole football podcast will go away at that at that point uh for, for the time being but uh I'll, I'll be around talking hoops for you guys. Absolutely. Well, and yeah, great to point that out. Again, the 10-day free trial does give you access to the entire site itself. So it's not just college basketball or NBA DFS, but you can get all of our great tools, especially Jerry Donabedian's articles, uh, which he does a great job going over like the hidden stat lines or defensive streaming options. There's a lot of different great content on the site. Mm-hmm. think folks are still listening now that we went into Plug City or they, they flipped well, to the they, next they, show they, now? They've turned it off. They, we love you guys. Thanks for all the support this season. Of course, best of luck to your playoff lineups this week.